So Crisp, a tasty bite-sized podcast that serves business, bravery, branding, beauty, sex, love, motherhood, womanhood, feminism, labels, psychology, marketing, messaging, mavenry, musicals, and the mess we call life. All deliciously dished up and ready to consume. In fact, is there anything we don't discuss? Not with Jay Crisp Crow, copywriting queen from Crisp Copy in the kitchen. I hope you're hungry. This episode is brought to you by madhub.co, a social enterprise and impact product online store selling all feel-good things from cookies to bow ties and everything in between. Madhub is an acronym for making a difference. They're based in Western Australia, but ship all over our beautiful country. And if you happen to be in Perth, also offer co-working spaces, which give back to the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation and an art space for up-and-coming artists. I'm proud to be the Madhub Madhub ambassador for 2020, and you can become part of our crew by visiting madhub.co. Now, I love a love job, charity, social enterprise, something that gives back. I've also had the experience of finding community groups and charities to be some of the most difficult clients of my professional career, and it's not because their heart isn't in the right place and they're not 110% fully invested. It's usually because there are a lot of cooks and no one has the original recipe of the broth or even an idea of what it should really taste like. Gemma Pitcher knows how to find that recipe. I came across Gemma in a random post on the Freelance Jungle. Big shout out for these guys. They are the best large group I'm a member of for freelancers on the facey, where we were all blowing off a little bit of steam chatting about the overpour, that one topic you could talk about for ages, even when other people's eyes had glazed over and they'd started backing away slowly. And Gemma wrote this. She could talk about cognitive linguistic mistakes made by advocacy organisations. She's a blast at parties. So immediately, of course, I wanted to know her. Welcome, Gemma, to the SoCris podcast. Please be a blast at our party and tell us all about cognitive linguistic mistakes made by advocacy organisation and what your job actually entails. Thank you. Uh, yes, I will try to be slightly more of a blast than I am at parties and not be too boring. <laughs> Good. Uh, Yes, my job entails helping advocacy organisations, charities, social enterprises and other sort of good people, good guys, good women uh, to get better at their communications. And so often their mistakes are very sort of deep and fundamental. They are not doing themselves any favours. They're making people think about their issues in completely the wrong way. And it's all very counterintuitive. So I tend to come in and shake them up a little bit and make them think twice about everything they thought they knew. Mm-hmm. And do you do they do they come and find you? I mean, how do how do people know that they have an issue with their messaging if they're part of a large organisation? Generally, I work with smaller organisations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't tend to work with large organisations. They have pretty tooled up communication departments as a rule. Mm-hmm. Not always doing what I think they should do, but it's more likely that I will work with a small organisation who tend to kind of understand they need some help. Don't have a lot of resources, obviously, in the charity sector. Resources are scarce, funding is low, it's often the communications department that gets left out and I've worked with quite a lot of people who don't have a communications department so I try to help them and put something in place that they can use going forward once I've left because I'm a consultant, I don't work full time for people, I work as a freelancer obviously. Yeah, lovely. So how do you manage that too many cooks problem um, of organisations? Because I'm assuming that everyone who works there is is genuinely driven to make a change. So they're all very invested in everything that's happening, including um, outcomes. And there's probably a lot of different um, advice flying around. Does that make it easier or harder when everybody's so a part of it um, or... Um, sometimes you need to tell people to sit down and have a little listen 
the common problem is that you've usually got people in charities who are experts in their field. They might be social workers, they might be climate scientists, they're technical, they're academic. They don't like things to be, as they would think, dumbed down. Mm-hmm. They think that by writing kind of copy that's snappy, emotional messages, all the things that copywriters know are necessary, that in some way you're sort of betraying the causes and the complex issues. And I do really understand that. And I have massive sympathy for those people. Often those people are quite senior. Most of the CEOs I find of charities do come from those kinds of backgrounds. And therefore, sometimes it's a real diplomatic job to say, yep, I completely respect your work and I respect your values. But at the same time, if you want to get people to take action, if you want them to donate, you've got to reach out to their emotions and you've got to tell a cohesive narrative. And that means leaving out some details. And most importantly, and most unpopularly when I talk to people, it means not assuming that the facts are enough. Yeah, when, lovely. When you say that to climate scientists or social workers <laughs> with massive degrees, they are horrified. And mm. I understand that. But I have to explain that I don't mean don't think about the facts, don't use the facts. But without a story, without a good frame, no one cares. No one will pay attention to your message. And this is really a problem in our progressive world. They just think a graph is going to get people over the line. They think, oh, climate denial, that's a problem. What about this graph that shows the earth is warming? Job done. Let's all move on. And, you know, it's been, I don't know, 50 years we've been showing graphs. And guess what? here we are today yeah so Mm. that's probably the hardest part and yes the senior people do have that attitude and I think to be honest my tip is just to really respect that attitude because I really respect academia I respect people with great depth of knowledge Mm -hmm. and I think by showing how much you respect that it's incremental you know I'm not going to come in and say oh that's all nonsense just put a picture of a starving child up everyone will give you loads of money firstly because I completely don't believe that and secondly because it's totally disrespectful to what they do so yeah I try to understand their side of things and I try to gently let them understand that I'm not there to disrespect their message or dumb everything down. Yeah, lovely. I think there's a, a, a lot of a copywriter's job is about um, assuming, uh, encouraging the client to trust you to do your job, right? Mm. So, and one of the things that people can panic about is that you're going to come in and, and completely misrepresent um, what they're trying to do because you're trying to take everything that they love and turn it into something that is consumable for the masses. Um, and that can be tricky. I think um, if you can get people to, to trust you to do your job as, as you're the expert, then you're kind of halfway over, over the line. Have you had many situations where people have, organisations have just really resisted and you've, um, and you've had to kind of pull out of a job or say this is probably not the right thing for me? How do you handle that? I actually find that most people are good once I talk them through it. Mm -hmm. And what I do, cognitive linguistic work and messaging, is it is scientifically based. So I I make sure people understand it's not my opinion. Mm -hmm. This is science and we need to respect the science. People like this always respect science. So if you say, you say, oh, I don't feel like that's a very good way of messaging, it's kind of like me saying, well, I don't really feel like that's the best approach for a low socioeconomic area to you know, increase drug and alcohol outcomes. It's not mm-hmm. a matter of opinion, it's a matter of evidence. I've mm-hmm. got evidence from the scientific community just the same as you have. And people tend to kind of, once you talk in those terms, like this is not, it's not a debate about opinions, this is actually scientific, that helps a lot. But no, I don't think I've had an organisation just say, get out. I have had people <laughs> say, oh, thank you very much and put my, you know, my work in a drawer and go forward with the same thing. Yes, like I think we all have. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that what you do for these organisations, um, you work for charities, social enterprises, advocacy groups, do you think that they can be implemented for everyone in business who's working on their messaging? What do you think are the kind of universal communication mistakes that we make? 
It's tricky because there are a lot of businesses who I'd really rather didn't use my tips because I don't really think they should be doing the businesses they're doing. So shout out to the coal miners. Just ignore this. Don't be listening. If you work for a coal miner, this is not for you. Um, in general, those types of people uh, are much, 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 much better at messaging than the white hats. The black hats have got it all sorted out. You know, they invented the term climate change in the first place to make us all not care about it so they could drill more oil. True fact. Yeah, right. you know, these things have been very well used by the dastardly of the world. Uh, so we don't really need to help them out any further. They, mm -hmm. they already know all about it. You know, there are books written by Republican uh, messaging strategists in the States who knew all this stuff long before anyone else picked it up. You know, this was unfortunately kind of understood by the wrong side of the world long before the good people came along. Ah, you're writing the balance. <laughs> I'm trying to write the balance. I'm trying to, I'm, me and many others, I'm not, you know, I didn't invent any of this myself. But mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. We're trying to really give the good guys the weapons that the bad guys have already had. That yeah. said, if you're running a business, yes, these things absolutely do apply to you. If you want to use this to sell lipstick, yes, it will work. Of course it will. It's, it's universal community communication science it doesn't matter who you are yeah. um, it may have different messages but yes the principles are all the same for everybody okay uh, you talk about um, bringing your messaging being tied up with your values um, how important do you think it is bringing your values and ethics to the forefront of all the things that you say and do as a brand um, because a yeah. lot of people a lot of people think that that's um, you know that it, that it's almost too personal to bring values and ethics into uh, and maybe not organisations like you work with, but if when I work with a solo operator, sometimes women say, oh, that's not important to people. And I say, well, that's the most important thing to people because that's how we choose who we want to work with. What do you think? I think you're right. I think it's uh, another big mistake that I see in these wonderful organisations. It's the people who work in charities you know, no spoilers, they're not doing it for the cash. We're not getting up in the morning and going to work in these tiny charities because we're just really into cash. They do it for passion. They do it for love. They do it because they genuinely believe that this is the correct way to live their lives and change the world. Um, and we go through hell because of that. Often our own lives, we, we experience burnout, all of these things. If your yeah. messages don't appeal to that group of people, to that baseline group of people, your own employees, your own passionate supporters then they won't appeal to anyone they don't work it's totally useless to try and appeal to people who aren't like you because you're the reason uh that your supporters support you there is no other reason you know people generally don't adhere to these cold facts and these th theories of change they adhere to the values that you're putting out and everyone pretty much as you said in our sector has those values so it's nonsensical but often done that they try to appeal to completely different values in mm -hmm. my values mapping work i make there's a map of values that a sort of psychologists have come up with over the years mm -hmm. and i ask my clients in my workshops to circle the values they they value you know the ones that drive yeah. their lives they always circle roughly the same values uh social justice equal rights you get it you know care for the environment whatever it would be nothing yeah. surprising but then you look at their messages and those things are not coming across and being primed at all uh, they're coming across with achievement and power and wealth they're saying fundraise for our charity because this celebrity's doing it fundraise for our charity because you get a cool bracelet you know Think about Bono, right? He had the best intentions. I'm sure Bono, you know, he, he felt that he was being driven by values like a world at peace or social justice, but he was absolutely priming values like social status, ambition, wealth. And so yeah. he was actually suppressing the values that he was really hoping people would adhere to to make the world a yeah, better get place. get on board with, yeah. You, do it, you see it all the time, especially in fundraising and especially in advocacy. The other kind of sketchy values that you want to stay away from are things like security and conformity and tradition. So you'll see people saying, oh, you know, we really should um, make sure that we are nice to those refugees because what if they start a war with us? You know, yes, it could be right. terrible. That is what they think people want to hear. 
yeah. but they that's you don't want people to think like that so why are you putting out messages that you yourself don't agree with yeah they sort of feel that they have to do that for some reason you know to be grown-ups and not hippies let's not talk about all those wishy-washy things like love let's talk about important things like money and security but those are not our values so why on earth are we putting them out into the world it doesn't yeah. help and our supporters just leave us because that's not the reason they hang around Oh, brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, in your notes um, for this podcast, you wrote, people are nicer than you think they are. Um, I have a bit of a tendency to think everyone is brilliant and beautiful until they prove otherwise. Um, and it usually takes me five times before I accept it as truth. So I was really, when, when you wrote that, I was like, oh, I wonder what she means by that. Um, what, do you, what do you mean? <clears throat> and why do you think people think otherwise? Obviously not me because I'm a pushover softie. I think people think otherwise due to uh, surveys that have been done in most <laughs> of the world. Um, so this is, again, this comes back to data. So uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that you love everyone, but uh, most people think that other people aren't very nice, not mm -hmm. your friends and family or even people you meet and, you know, chat to on a podcast, but the, the general society we live in, you, if you do questionnaires with people, yeah. they generally yeah. kind of think that most other people don't feel the same way as they do. Don't hold these values that we hold dear are not interested in, peace and social justice are really much more interested in power and wealth yeah. we assume that our societies are a bit horrid yeah but um, you've just explained what one of the reasons why that's happening is because our marketing messages are uh, pitched at that that's what we that's what we continue to say as brands right we we're say not talking about because we think that's what people want yep yep and they don't because the questionnaires actually show this they show that if you ask people in australia and i'm i'm not giving you accurate figures but approximate mm -hmm. ones here if you ask people in australia what values do you hold dear they mostly i think 70 odd percent of people kind of hold these types of universalism values dear the ones about love and peace harmony social equality justice etc mm -hmm. and so you'll get about 70 percent people have those values that they think are the most important things in their lives then you ask them well what do you think everyone else you know what other what what's everyone else's values and they tend to go oh most people are more interested in achievement power wealth you know i feel like yeah. most people are just are not very nice you know shorthand for not very nice means priming values around power and achievement security survival of the fittest all those sorts of things mm -hmm. they're wrong they're absolutely wrong the majority of people in our society do hold the same values that we do so we're actually all on the same page which you never would dream if you you know read stuff in the media or social media or political messaging mm -hmm. we were you know either we were a valiant few fighting against this dark cloud of society or everybody just hated each other as an actual fact most people have the same values and there are values they're charity values so there's no reason why we shouldn't put them out there and there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be trying to appeal to that in our society the only country that doesn't think everyone's nasty is new zealand they're like yeah we're all nice and we know it oh really in the whole oh, I world i love them now <laughs> in the whole world, in the whole really? world. <laughs> well in all the countries they did the survey and i don't yeah, know how many but fascinating yeah uh, it, it, the kiwis maybe we just to need to, kiwis. yeah we need to get to know each other better Mm. to go spend some time in New Zealand and soak up their definitely a fundamental ability to know each other. Um, so you started off as a travel writer in Africa, internet stalking tells me. I um, did start off as a travel writer in Africa. That's absolutely right, yes. How long did you do that for? Oh, a good decade. A good decade. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. yep. Africa, West Africa is my favourite place on the planet. Favourite. Oh, favorite place i traveled the world um in between uni degrees <clears throat> and that was one of the places we just ended up because the young man that i was traveling with had parents who were setting up telecommunications there and so it was one of those places that was like well if we're traveling the world we should probably you know stop there and i extended my visa because i loved it so much i did not want to go home i just adored every single minute of it it is the most beautiful place 
That's um, super cool, and you don't get many Australians going to Africa, so I'm very glad to hear that. Um, being where did, English, it's where did you love? I love Tanzania. I lived in Zanzibar for many years, and the Zanzibar is as beautiful as it sounds, and the people uh-huh. are wonderful. So I still have very dear friends there, and I tried to get back there. I had my 40th birthday there, even oh. though I've moved to Australia quite a long time ago. I still go back, and yeah, it's amazing. That's lovely. So if you if you weren't saving advocacy organisations from their comms muckups, what else would you be doing with this talent? given that you've spent 10 years travel writing through Africa also. I want to write a book about it. I want to write a book uh, which explains all this stuff in a nice, easy way for people to really just get into and, and is entertaining and funny, not an academic book. Mm-hmm. Because I think no matter how many you know, organisations I work with as a consultant, no, many, how many, no matter how many workshops I do, people just won't know, you know not enough people. There's too many people yes. out there. So yeah. I feel like if there was a book it would just be better because then more people would get the message and you know, it's about changing the world. So I'll never really do anything else. I might alter my kind of angle a little bit, but it'll always be what I do. Yeah. Could you please do that? That would be I, good. I'm going to, I'm going to okay. the next couple of years. See I, it's would, out here on I would 100% now, so I buy your book Thank and you. buy it for all of my business friends for Christmas presents. So awesome. get on that. That would be good. And what's this about elephants? Ah, uh, yes. Don't think of an elephant. What are you thinking of right now? Are you thinking yeah. of an elephant? Is there a trunk in your mind? Is there some big flapping ears? It's definitely in Africa. Yes. Well, there you go. I primed you. I primed yeah, your you values did. earlier. But even if I said to you, don't think of a white bear, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure in your mind right now that looks pretty mm-hmm. much like a white bear. So most people sort of know this. They've heard this. It's not an unfamiliar concept. But when they do their messaging, they just don't see what they're doing. So that's why you see myth busting as a universal sort of messaging tactic of all sorts of organizations and brands in business saying you know 10 things we don't want you to believe about our brand here they are in large headline letters on our collateral interesting why are you doing that people we don't want you to think that people who access new start are doll bludgers so we're going to print up t-shirts saying not a doll bludger and people are going to wear them you see what's happening there i'm thinking about doll bludging you do not want me to think about doll bludging at all that is an absolutely awful phrase that you hope no one ever repeats but i'm going to print it on a t-shirt and just because i've got the word not above it and i do i really <laughs> apologize to the people behind this campaign are listening and i probably shouldn't have brought it up but it's just a really classic example of something yeah. that almost everybody does um asylum seekers are not illegal Asylum seeking is not illegal. Yeah. Um, and it's illegal you know, with, with, yes. I, well, I totally you don't understand. want people to think about legality in, in conjunction with this subject. So just stop talking about it. If you don't want people to have messages in their minds that are not helpful to your cause, don't put them on Facebook tiles and share them all over the internet. Don't print them on T-shirts. Don't write them down. Don't say them in sound bites. Talk about what you want to talk about. And if you want to buff, bust myths, buffed myths, if you want to bust myths, Put the truth up there in big letters. Don't put the myth up there in big letters and then a little bit of text underneath going, well, actually, this isn't true because of here's yeah. the facts. Oh, my God. So, so what would you write instead of uh, asylum seekers are not illegal? Everybody, everybody wants a better life. It is natural for people to seek safety mm-hmm. and they're allowed to do so. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. That's so good. And that's a really interesting concept because a lot of women that I work with who come in to learn about how to write copy come in where they've, you know, they've downloaded all this great stuff or they've got this other good, they've got this other advice that says talking about people's pain points, right? Because that's the easiest way to get people to buy into something. Um, And I always ask them this question at the beginning where I say, well, do you want to be the brand that talks about people's pain points to get them extra frustrated so they'll buy something? Or do you want to talk about people's gain points where they go oh yes I want that and buy in that way 
and you can see people's minds go, oh, yes, I'd like to be that brand actually that doesn't talk about all the negative stuff because that doesn't actually help my ideal client in the long term anyway feel more good than negative about themselves. Um, and, and it's exactly the same thing. I think that's, that's absolutely fascinating. I'm definitely stealing your elephant's um, analogy. Yeah. Just a shout out to any copywriters who are listening. If your client comes along and says, hey, can you please write a thing about the myths about this thing? Just yeah. say gently, no, I won't. No, no it's not going to help you. All the people no. are going to see is myths and they're going to believe them even more because our brains do not, especially when you're scrolling through social media and you've got a million trillion inputs to your brain mm. every day, you just remember the myth and you're going to completely forget the fact that it's a myth. And that's yeah. all been scientifically proven. If you show people lists of myths, even with negating frames around them, like not or isn't, mm -hmm. they will just remember the myths. You go back two months later and they'll say, it was something about how they're illegal, I think. Yeah, yeah they're illegal, right. aren't they? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter how you say it. If you put those words in their minds, they're going to come back to them so you have to yeah. just stay away from all of that so please no more myth busting no more myth busting but you can you can give anymore. some truth telling because truth, -telling truth is one of the great power words to use yeah here's the truth, the truth is here's the truth here's yeah. the truth about xyz not yeah. 10 myths about xyz so if oh my goodness but we've changed thing, lives today it. we've changed lives i hope so i hope so <laughs> okay so before we wrap up what is the one communication booba you see repeatedly that everyone listening should stop making right this second i think you've already probably given us 10 but um yeah i'm, I'm gonna see if i can think of another one i guess i'm just <laughs> gonna say think about the metaphors mm -hmm. um think about the metaphors that you use and are they really helpful what does that metaphor put into someone's mind do you want them to think about your cause that way right. metaphors you know are very powerful they're actually how our brains use shortcuts mm -hmm. um there's a really interesting experiment where they gave some people a load of information about crime and it was exactly the same information it was dry and statistical the only difference between the two groups of people was there was a paragraph in the middle of the information they were given one of them mentioned crime as a virus virus infecting our city or something and the other one mentioned crime as a beast ramp rampaging through our streets or something um when they asked people for solutions to crime Bearing in mind, they were given all the same statistics, the same graphs, the same facts. The ones who were shown a piece, you know, a piece of information with a metaphor about a virus in it said, like, we need to investigate the root causes of the problem. Maybe we need some more community youth schemes. We need to stop it before it starts because they had a virus in their mm -hmm. minds. Mm -hmm. The people who had a beast in their minds from that metaphor were saying we need to catch those criminals. We need more prisons, more police, more wow. weapons. So it could really make a difference to how yeah. people think about your subject matter. So, yeah, think really hard about your metaphors. I guess that would be my other piece of advice. You're just brilliant. I'd just like to download your brain straight into mine. Well, it can be done. Just give me a call and my brain is all yours. <laughs> it is wonderful. Thank you so much, Gemma. I can't believe we've squeezed so much excellent information into 29 minutes. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. No worries. This has been So Crisp and my guest has been Gemma Pitcher, who helps advocacy organisations and charities get better at communications so that they can win hearts and minds to change the world. You may have noticed this is not a regular Nuts and Bolts podcast about business. We're looking for crisp new ways to discuss wordy elements, so if you have a suggestion, drop me a line. May your day be as crisp as that $50 bill in your purse. You could absolutely donate to something good today and change a bit of the world yourself. You've been listening to So Crisp with copywriter, copy coach and consultant J. Crisp Crow. If you've loved this episode, get all the juicy details and links at crispcopy.com.au forward slash podcast. Make sure you never miss a bite by subscribing to So Crisp wherever you get your podcasts. Want to help us spread the deliciousness? Rate and review this show and share with your mates. Remember, if there's a copy question you want nibbled at, email me straight away right now.